Hey, it's me, Flory. Welcome back to What's for Dinner. Or should I say, What's for Dessert? We've cooked lots of dinners together, but every now and then it's good to get your bake on. And this week, Simon and Rosa are two very lucky ducks. They're going to bring us along as they explore a chocolate wonderland with pastry chef and chocolatier Tara Gartland. There's a magic door at the back of her kitchen and on the other side is a room full of melting chocolate. Tara is going to share her recipe for gluten-free brownies in a bit. But first, it's important to check the quality of your ingredients, right? Something tells me Sive and Rosa will be happy enough to taste their chocolate. Hi, I'm Sive. I'm Rosa. And we're sisters. I'm Celiac, so today we're getting a really special treat. We're going to meet the Willy Wonka of Manahan, and she's going to teach us how to bake some incredible things. I'm Tara Gartland, and I'm from Carrick Macross in Manahan. I own Tara Gartland Chocolate, so I'm not quite Willy Wonka, but I'm on my way. Not everything I do is completely chocolate-focused. I do lots of gluten-free baking that might have chocolate in them, but they're always gluten-free. So this is my chocolate fridge inside. Loads of chocolates. <laughs> Do you want to pick one? So that's rhubarb. That's passion fruit. That's salted caramel. That is rosemary and mandarin, which I feel like no child has ever enjoyed. But if you're adventurous, and then we also have these, which are hazelnut roches, which taste like ferro roches. And then these are some of my Easter eggs that I've started to make. And what is this? Tara seems to have a chocolate tap in her kitchen. It's like a big pot that has a rotating blade inside that mixes it around. It brings the chocolate to a certain temperature because that's called tempering, so it needs to be melted. So it's melting this chocolate to 45, and then I'm gonna hit this snowflake button, which is actually the temper button, so then I can use it to make Easter eggs. How much chocolate is in there at the moment? So there is actually 10 kg of chocolate in there, and that's a lot of chocolate bars. Yeah. <laughs> like a normal chocolate bar is about 100 grams. And also, ideal for me is that this chocolate is free from cross-contamination of gluten, malt, wheat and barley, which I cannot have, because I'm a celiac. Me too. <laughs> Where do you come up with all the ideas for your flavours? There's lots of chocolatiers in Ireland at the minute, and lots of pastry chefs, and they're all very talented. They all have very different palate. So I grew up in America, and I also used to spend a lot of time with my granny. So I make things that I like that remind me of my childhood or I think are fun. And I think it's the best way to do it. Because if I don't like to eat it, why would I try to give it to someone else? Have you ever made a flavour that you hoped was going to be delicious, but in the end didn't taste so nice? Uh, yes. <laughs> I think everyone has that. You go, oh, I think this is going to be really good. And sometimes I've done something and I've made it way too sweet or way too sour. And everyone's gone, oh, it looks nice, but it doesn't taste very good. But like... You kind of get good practice at making a base recipe. So I have a lot of good base recipes that I can add flavors to and change. So I kind of don't have as many mistake recipes as I would have done when I first started out. I love to bake, but sometimes my cakes don't turn out how I want them to. How do you deal with cake failures? So normally I don't deal that well with cake failures, I'm not gonna lie. I like everything to go perfect. And I get a little bit annoyed with myself when it doesn't go perfect. But there's no point to it, because when you get frustrated, you get worse. <laughs> so normally I just try to go, all right, we'll just start again, clean down, put the dishes away, <laughs> and do it again. Tara's kitchen sounds like heaven. 
We're going to get cracking with the recipe shortly, but before we do, you've heard Tara and Sive talking about being celiac, which basically means that if they eat gluten, it upsets their insides and that they kept eating it over time, it would damage their intestines. So they have to be really careful about avoiding gluten, which is found in just about anything that contains barley, rye or wheat. So regular bread, pasta and cake, for example. Tara is so talented and smart that she manages to make every single thing she bakes gluten-free, which means more people can enjoy it without upsetting their tummies. Okay, enough explaining. Back to the kitchen where the guys are getting their ingredients ready. Brownies is one of the first brownie recipes I ever learned, but it used to be a gluten-containing one, and now I've made it into a gluten-free recipe. To make brownies, you need 175 grams of butter, 200 grams of dark chocolate, three eggs, 250 grams of caster sugar, 100 grams of ground almonds, and that's it. Do you want to weigh out the chocolate? Yeah. So this is dark chocolate, it's 70% dark chocolate. So that means it has cocoa solids. So in it, it'll say that this is like quite bitter and roasted and have really strong chocolate flavor. But because we're adding butter, sugar, and eggs to this, it's not gonna taste bitter. Dark chocolate is the best to make brownies with because that's what gives you that really deep chocolatey flavor. You can stick your hand in there and you need um, 200, 200 grams. grams. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you when it gets to 200. That's what you call you. teamwork. Like chocolate chips? Yeah. 200 exactly. Perfect. How come you use chocolate chips instead of a chocolate bar? The reason I have endless supplies of chocolate chips is because I actually have a chocolate business. Now, I see nothing wrong with chocolate bars from Aldi or Lidl as long as they're real chocolate. So I wouldn't use dairy milk or anything like that. You can buy chocolate chips in the supermarket and they're not actually chocolate, they're like chocolate products. So I would recommend actually getting a bar that is 70% dark chocolate or 65 maybe, breaking it up into pieces and using the same. So we're adding 175 grams of butter here. And who's good at cracking eggs? Me. Oh, excellent. We're putting butter on top of the chocolate chips. We are gonna melt the butter and chocolate together. So that is the first step of this brownie recipe. We have our oven on and it's preheating to 180 degrees. So some people's ovens are set at 170, would be the same as mine. I know that I have to set mine at 180. It's a fan oven, it's a little bit old, it has its eccentricities. <laughs> so we're gonna melt this butter and chocolate now in the microwave. So I melt it in 30 second intervals in the microwave. You can also melt it over a pot of simmering water, which is called a bain-marie. Basically it means you put a pot and you put about two inches of water on there and you make sure that the bottom of the bowl does not touch the water. And so the water is simmering away, creating steam and it melts the butter and sugar. But I find there's nothing wrong with the microwave for melting butter and chocolate. Have you found it hard being a pastry chef because you're celiac? So I actually started working as a pastry chef like 11 years ago. So I wasn't a celiac 11 years ago. I got diagnosed while I was in college. So I had already been working in the hospitality industry for three years, making cakes and eating all the bread that I could. And then I got diagnosed because I got really sick while I was in college. And I found it really hard making the adjustment from being able to eat everything around me to not being able to eat most of the things I'm allergic to. It was a real effort in self-control and reminding myself, oh, I can't eat that. And making sure that I always had snacks or something that were gluten-free with me. So then I wouldn't be hungry or I wouldn't feel left out. Yeah, that's like the butter and chocolate kind of half melted after a minute. So we're going to melt it a little bit more now. All right. It's a lot faster than the microwave. It is. I think it's a lot faster than the microwave as well. We don't have microwaves, so we have to melt it over, over water. Do you know so. what? That, that's a lesson in patience, isn't it? Yeah. 
that's basically melted. But if you feel the bottom of the bowl, it's a bit warm. So I'm gonna take that out and I'm gonna leave it there and it's gonna keep melting whatever butter and chocolate is left. So we've melted the butter and dark chocolate together for brownies. So, do you wanna do the sugar? Okay. Okay, so you need 250 grams. So you can use that to scoop up the sugar and then I'm gonna get you to crack the eggs. Yeah. This is caster sugar I'm measuring out. Does the kind of sugar you use make a difference? So, I almost always use caster sugar in my baking because it's really fine. So granulated sugar, which you might put in your tea or your coffee, it's basically a bit grittier. Different sugars have different moisture contents. So if you use brown sugar instead of caster sugar, basically, it is a bit stickier. So it'd be too sticky or basically your cake might deflate. So that's why there's soft, dark brown sugar. There is demerara sugar, which is a bit big chunks of sand is what it looks like. It's really important to just follow the recipe because sometimes you don't want crunchy pieces of sugar, whereas I like crunchy pieces of sugar in my sticky toffee pudding. So I use demerara because the sugar crystals are so big that they kind of give you an extra crunch when you're biting into it. So you need to take out a little bit. So you need 250. Take out that big lump, yeah. Drop her in there and take out another little bit. And I'd say we'll sprinkle in a little bit. Why is it so important that we get the measurements right in baking? Baking and pastry is a lot like science. Savoury cooking, like, you know, making a nice curry or a stew or something, even making your mashed potatoes, that is subjective. That means I like maybe my mashed potatoes a little bit runnier. You like them really buttery or you like them really salty. It's all kind of different. Whereas if you're making a brownie recipe and you don't have enough egg, enough chocolate, it won't set. You have to kind of follow the rules to get the right end result. What are the things that people need to think about when it comes to gluten-free baking? So there's lots of things, to be honest. You always have to read the label before you use anything when you're doing baking for someone who is on a gluten-free diet or is a celiac. Sometimes it'll contain gluten, wheat, malt, barley, and all those things are very bad if you're a celiac. And also you have to make sure that you read the may contain part. So it may contain traces, which is again, it's kind of a disclaimer from a company to say, this is not really a gluten-free product. And then also you have to kind of think of the texture. So I use a lot of ground nuts or whole nuts in my baking, or I just omit flour altogether because the texture is not what I want. So maybe I want something chewy or fudgy, and I find that nuts are a really good substitute for that. Next up, the eggs. And I'll hold the bowl. I've just cracked three eggs into a bowl. Someone needs to whisk the eggs and the sugar together. Yeah. Do I whisk the eggs before I put them into the sugar or together? So I always just whisk them together. Yeah. So you can just pour the three eggs on top of your sugar and then start whisking. And you don't have to whisk it to like until it's really fluffy or anything. You're just whisking them until all the sugar and egg are mixed together. And do you want to weigh out the ground almonds with me? Okay. She's very focused. We're weighing out um, 100 grams of um, ground <laughs> almonds. So you tell me when that's 100 grams. We hit 100. Perfect. Okay. And you can see your sister, she's trying to mix up so that there's no lumps of sugar. So when you add eggs to sugar, you always have to whisk them straight away because if you add moisture to sugar, it tends to clump up and it gets really hard to whisk if you don't whisk it straight away. That's one of the things that annoys me. So we can see our butter and our chocolate is mixed and it's melted and there's no lumps. So we also need to line our tin. What size of tin is the best one for making brownies? It's whatever tin you have. I have a 25 centimeter square tin. 
And I use this for my brownies, my sticky toffee puddings. I use it for everything that I need a square tin for. And then I have another tin that's double the size that I use if I wanna make double the size of brownies. So this recipe is for this size tin, but if I wanna make a bigger one, I just double it. If I have a smaller tin, I would just make it a bit smaller. I always cut basically a square a bit bigger than my tin. And this is kind of like a pastry chef thing. Then you put it on top of it. Doesn't have to be a perfect square. And then you go in from the corners and you cut straight in a diagonal. So then when I fold this in, it should give me lovely corners and I shouldn't have like a bubble in the bottom. So I should have nice flat brownies. This is a really good tip. And so when I push it down, and then I'm a bit fussy. So I'm trimming off this extra bit because I don't like looking at it. <laughs> but you don't have to do that. I'm just a bit odd. <laughs> you can take oil, like sunflower oil, and spray it on your tin. But I happen to have a big can of grease spray. And basically you just spray it and it makes it so it sticks. You could also take a bit of the brownie batter and use it to stick. That's a little bit messy and sometimes it burns onto the tin and makes it hard to clean after. It sits nice and tidy then. That's so neat. And the easiest part of all this brownie is we are gonna take our egg mix. I'm gonna grab you a spatula. Gonna pour our egg and sugar mix into our chocolate and butter. And do you wanna scrape out what's left? And it's really important to scrape all your bowls and make sure you get all of your weighed ingredients out. Because otherwise, your recipe might not work. But I used to always, when I was making brownies with my mom, I used to never let her put all the brownie mix into the tin. And so I could lick the bowl. So you're gonna mix that together and it'll get a little bit thick. So the chocolate and butter's runny. So do you wanna see what that feels like? Chef, just give it a stir. Because you know when it's just chocolate, it's really liquid. And then the final thing, we're using ground almonds instead of flour. And that's what gives it a really fudgy, nutty kind of flavor. So we're gonna add this in. And again, we're gonna make sure we have all our dry ingredients in there. Do you wanna give that a little stir? What's the difference between stirring and folding and baking? So what you're doing right now is stirring, okay? So you're just mixing it to make sure that all the bits are inside. But if you are folding, when you're folding, you're trying to make sure that there's lots of air staying in. So if you were to make like a pavlova and you whisked up egg whites until they're really light and fluffy, then you're gonna fold in anything that you're adding. So if you were adding chocolate or fruit or coconut or nuts or something, you are gonna be really careful adding it in because otherwise your meringue will lose all the air that you spent ages mixing. So folding is just adding stuff in really carefully, kind of normally in a circular movement around the edge of the bowl into the center. Do you mind if I give that a little go? I have a bit of practice at this. And so basically you want to see no dry bits of ground almonds. You wanna see that it's all mixed in. So we are gonna pour this into our tin that is lined and our oven is preheated. And the only thing is though, I find the bowl gets a little bit heavy. So I always pour it, but I don't lift the bowl off too high off the counter in case I drop it. I'm a little bit clumsy. <laughs> and something important when making brownies before you put them in the oven to make sure that they're evenly cooked is, I think to spread it into all the corners. So you can use the back of a spoon or something to just make sure it's reached into all the corners or you can bang it on the counter. And you can use any spoon, and you can do that, but you're basically gonna make sure it's just in the edges. We didn't add any baking powder or baking soda into this. Why does it not need any raising agents? So this is not a cake. 
This is a brownie. So brownies traditionally wouldn't have any raisin agent in them because you're not looking for it to puff up. The only raisin agent it kind of has in it is eggs. So eggs puff up when you cook them and they expand a bit. But we want a fudgy brownie. So if we wanted a cakey brownie, we could add in a bit of bread soda or baking powder, but you'd have to find a recipe that had it. So this is more a chewy fudgy brownie versus a cakey brownie because everyone has their own brownie preference. So we're gonna pop that in the oven now for 35 to 40 minutes. Oh my God, all this talk of fudgy brownies and cakey brownies is making me so hungry. I just want to eat one right now. Luckily, through the magic of editing, we can time travel through the baking process and arrive back in Tara's kitchen just in time to check in on the tray of chocolatey goodness. probably needs another minute or two. See, they're really hot, but you see like that little kind of patch that's darker? Yeah. That's a little bit of like uncooked brownie. If I touch the edges, it kind of puffs back up. Now again, adults should be doing this part because it's very hot. But if you touched it and it sunk down, you would know it's really raw. So you'd have to put another five minutes. So because it has that little raw patch, I'm gonna give it another five minutes. So it's been in for 30 minutes. And I always check about 30-ish mark because the oven could have been really hot. You know, you have to know your cooking appliances. When you're making a cake, sometimes the recipe tells you to not open the oven. Why is that? The first about 20 minutes of a cake baking is really important because it's building and puffing and getting that structure. And if you give in a burst of cold air, it might deflate. But after that, it's kind of okay. Now, I open the oven a lot, but I also do it really quickly. So when I'm opening the oven, it's really important to be quick so that all the hot air that is in the oven doesn't come out and that you don't let the cold air in. Why did you decide to make sweet things instead of savoury things in the kitchen? Well, I actually used to be a savoury chef. I started out doing meat and fish and all the bits and doing starters, a main course, and working in a very busy hotel. But savoury cooking, like, you know, your mashed potatoes and your dinners, it's very subjective. So I used to be a savoury chef and I changed to being a pastry chef because I really like how particular and scientific it is. There's rules for everything. Here we go. Oh hi, you're back. Sorry, just couldn't resist these brownies. So good. They're just as fudgy as Tara said they'd be. You have to try these. They're the best I've ever tasted, right? I'm going to let the girls say their goodbyes while I get myself sorted here. I've liked all of it. Everything. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for today. You're very welcome, and you're welcome back anytime because these were great helpers. Sive and Rosa basically had my dream day in Tara's kitchen in County Monaghan. And if they do decide to go back, I'm 100% gonna tag along. They are also such great interviewers. They got so many top tips out of Tara. I was taking notes. Nice work, girls. If you get busy making brownies, let me know how you get on. Just pop me an email at junior.rte.ie. You can find our recipes so far at rte.ie slash kids. What's for Dinner is presented by me, Flory Flanagan. Our banging original theme tune is by Hugh Fowler. Production on this episode was by Nikki Coughlin. <laughs>